fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try Hey everybody and welcome to big episode number 46 of the third season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal. We're your lead blocker. We're paving the way to fantasy glory, fantasy championships, fantasy awards, fantasy accolades. You know, just being able to look down at your fellow man. Uh, Let's face it, they're almost all men. But being able to look down at these guys that you're in a league with, we're going to do that for you. We're going to create a hole so big you're just going to trot through it like a... who was that? Who was? Didn't a guy this week just trot? Oh, like Gurley on his way to the end zone, except then he sat down at the one yard line. <laughs> I know that? that was just a, a fantasy backbreaker, a bet backbreaker for many ah. who bet the over under on games. Just killed a lot of people gambling wise, but ultimately I was facing Gurley in a couple weeks, so I didn't hate it. No, I didn't hate it either. It was interesting. I mean, the guy, you know, you, the guy you, we think is going for touchdowns, going for the record, and yet he made the right football move in that instance. It was clearly the right football move. Absolutely. Um, anyway, I'm Nat the Truth Jones. With me, as always, the Wolf of uh, Rotor Street himself, who just got through sitting in traffic in Salem for like 45 minutes. It was horrendous. Yeah, it's absolutely every like you get down one road and then that one's closed off and then you have to do a whole loop around back and more traffic to get to the next road that you find that's closed off this time of the year. I mean, there's only two days to Halloween, so, you know, the which city is always bumping. But, man, it is brutal right now. I cannot wait for Wednesday to come and pass. I might just sleep at my parents' house the next two nights. I can't do this anymore. No, I hear you. I I used to live in that area, and it really starts October 1st. So uh, Mm -hmm. pretty much I swore the town off by like the 10th or so. So 29th, still rolling (laughs) around in a car. Man, uh, no wonder we're starting late tonight. You're screwed. Yeah, That's right. All right, we're going to get right down to business. Uh, We started a little bit late, so we're going to get down to it. We're going to talk the news of the day. Then we're going to talk about some up guys, some down guys, some penny stocks, a quick injury update or two. Um, and we're going to start with the news of the day, of course, which is the Browns fire Hugh Jackson and, uh, you know, Haley as well. But we'll just stick with Hugh Jackson right now. Uh, worst coach in the NFL that I've seen in, mm-hmm. you know, 20, 30 years, maybe. I keep thinking about Rich Kotite with the Eagles, which may be before your time. But that that's the guy who, when I think about just a terrible coach, that's the guy I think about. And I think Hugh Jackson might actually have been worse even because Kotite at least had like a half of a good season once. Uh, they've promoted Greg Williams to interim head coach. With Freddie Kitchens, household name Freddie Kitchens. That's what we're going to call him. His nickname is going to be household name Freddie Kitchens, the offensive coordinator of the Browns. Uh, What do you know? Because I'll tell you, I know nothing except that no matter who Greg Williams is and no matter who Freddie Kitchens is, there's no doubt in my mind they're better than Hugh Jackson. So go ahead. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of people do know Greg Williams, the bounty gate guy, uh, oh, yeah. just a fired up character on, on Hard Knocks. So a lot of people recognize him. But Freddie Kitchen's just a complete unknown and on his Wikipedia page, which is one of the few sources of information on him. It calls him Freddie the Chef Kitchens. So who knows if that's even legit? I hope it is. It's a, it's a pretty badass nickname, Freddie the Chef Kitchens. Whether it is or not, uh, who knows? But there are a few interesting little historical roots we want to just add. Analyze. And again, I will just preface this by saying we are grasping at straws. We're not saying these are definite con- uh, conclusions about what Freddie Kitchens is about to chef up for this uh, Browns offense. But we do know they have some talent there still. They've been underperforming all year. Uh, Todd Haley got surprised. All year. You know, all year. Uh, for, for like the last decade. Two and a half years. Well, yeah, right. like longer. Exactly. 
But, you talk but, about you grasping at straws. I'll tell you who's grasping at straws. The Cleveland fucking Browns are gla- grasping at straws here. The chef is in the house. But this is <laughs> – exactly. <laughs> the chef is in the house. This is the first year they've really actually had some promising talent and, and still underperformed in my opinion though, uh, which is why let's see what the, the chef can cook up with these ingredients. A few things just to know about the guy and then what do I think it means for fantasy. One, he has some Bruce Arians roots. You love Bruce Arians roots. We're going to talk about the the Cardinals offense, which under Byron Leftwich, a Bruce Arians disciple, uh, just you know sparked a lot of games, the best career be- – not career best, season bests for a lot of key players there with the Cardinals. So we're hoping that maybe the Bruce Arians magic fairy dust rubs off on Kitchens, who was his quarterback's coach over uh, from 2013 to 2016, which is coincidentally the time that Carson Palmer's career kind of had that renaissance and he Mm. really came back to life. And they had those huge explosive offensive seasons. So he was clearly a key part of that as the quarterback's coach. And just he was even played under Bruce Arians when he was at Alabama. Uh, Bruce Arians was his coordinator and this Freddie Kitchens guy was his his, uh, quarterback. So so they they clearly have some sort of history. You have to imagine Arians is somewhere embedded in Kitchens, which is only a good thing. You know, obviously that doesn't mean he's going to be Bruce Arians, but a lengthy track record with one of the most uh, the brightest offensive minds that's produced some real fantasy monsters over the years cannot be considered a negative. Uh, but then on the flip side, Freddie Kitchens has legitimately no coordinating experience. He's been around football for 20 years in the college level and then the pro year uh, combined, and he has never once been promoted to a core coordinator role, which has to sketch you out a little bit. He's never crafted his own offense. He's never called his own plays. Uh, he's served as quarterbacks, tight ends, and running backs coach over his NFL career. But still, that that's a pretty big jump, especially to jump into a, a dumpster fire midseason. That's not the setup or recipe for success for, for a kitchen, never mind uh, Freddie Kitchen. So it, it's a, a greater chance that this offense just continues to implode, probably, given this type of setup. Uh, but really, how much further can you sink down, considering how much they've underwhelmed despite adding so much talent this year uh, it's still definitely noteworthy that he's never been a, a coordinator at any years but the number three thing the last thing to know about him is he has called plays once and that was preseason week four this year and it was actually a pretty dominant performance yes this is preseason week four i get it we are clasping at straws this is you never want to make a definite you know, conclusion off a of preseason but still it doesn't hurt that in that fourth preseason game the team racked up 35 points 422 total yards and 22 first downs which were all season highs in a, a regulation game the raiders ot game then exceeded that but still other than that's the second best game this offense has had again yes fourth you know fourth of preseason game i get it it's all the scrubs out there but baker mayfield did play he had two drives and they got points on both of them strung together two scoring drives 138 yards uh, moved very efficiently nick chubb capped that off with the score nick chubb was again the running back for this running back coach so what to draw off real quick out of this baker mayfield i think benefits I mean, former quarterback and uh, player in terms of Freddie Kitchens was. We've seen that Matt Nagy, a former quarterback, and then Mitch Trubisky really help establish that rapport, that comfort level. And again, Carson Palmer had that career renaissance under Freddie Kitchens as his quarterback coach. I don't think any of those are negatives for Baker Mayfield. I expect, you know, Todd Haley, a very stubborn-minded guy. Uh, I bet Freddie Kitchens will be much more welcoming, kind of allow Baker Mayfield to be part of that game-planning process uh, and really just work into what he does best, whereas Haley might not have been so open-minded and let somebody else put their fingerprints on. I think Baker Mayfield will have a lot more control moving forward, which I don't think is a bad thing. He's a smart guy, knows what he does well. Uh, I, I expect this to be a positive for Baker Baker Mayfield. 
even if it's not a huge one. And then the running game, is it going to be a workhorse like David Johnson, or are they going to maybe revitalize Duke Johnson uh, instead of just giving Nick Chubb that full three-down horse roll? That remains to be seen. It can't be a negative necessarily for Chubb. I think he still gets those early down carries. But what I expect it to be is more of a revival for Duke Johnson. Again, one of the most dynamic pass-catching backs over these last three years has been rotting this entire season, just completely misused and underutilized. I can see Freddie Kitchens kind of splitting this guy out wide more often, recognizing we don't have a ton of talent. We need to use our running backs more creatively, just as Arians had uh, before him. So those would be the two areas I'd look for in terms of fantasy improvement. Might be the running backs uh, and Baker Mayfield to go alongside it. That's all we know. That's probably the most in-depth Freddie Kitchens report you'll get out there because I looked for more and I couldn't find anything. This was pieced together through a ton of different little random sources I found. Uh, hopefully this helps out, though, and hopefully, I mean, there's nowhere to really go but up. So uh, I'm excited just to see what happens here for the Browns moving forward. What are your thoughts on Freddie Kitchens, Matt? Well, I mean, first of all, I think uh, excited is maybe pushing it a little too far <laughs> as far as, like, what I'm looking forward to. I'm I'm intrigued, I guess. I'm, I'm fascinated by the, you know, decade-long train wreck that is the Cleveland Browns. Um what do I think of Freddie Kitchens? I I, I like him. I, I like him because he reminds me a lot of me. Because neither one of us had ever had an, a coordinator job before today, um, and so I, we come from the same camp in that respect. We we done. We have exactly the same amount of experience in that respect. So uh, could you put me in there and at head coach and and do better than Hugh Jackson? Uh, probably about as hey. well. Probably about as well. You know, I uh, I would probably say like, hey Baker, what do you want to do? And he'd you know. He would do it, and I would be, uh, you know, I'd be, I'd be a player's coach. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be a disaster. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I have said, as you know, for the past, I don't know, at least year, year and a half, I think Hugh Jackson's the worst there is, uh, mm. and it, they had to get out from under that guy. You, you just cut ties. You can't keep throwing good money after bad, and he's the worst there is. So whatever. Mm. I mean, it, it's a bad, bad scene firing someone in the middle of the year, and that's on the front office. They should have fired the guy at the end of the year or the end of last year. They didn't. Right. But I mean, I got to say. Like, you know, we, we worked together for a long time. And uh, when there was somebody that just wasn't working out, sometimes you just had to get rid of them. Yep. And I, I subscribe to that same theory with this. So we'll see what happens. All right. Let's get into the actual up stocks. Uh, Hugh mm-hmm. Jackson, uh, Kitchens, none of those actually fall into that category. But anyway, <laughs> let's talk about up stocks. I'm going to keep us to uh, two minutes tops on these things so we can get it moving. And we're going to start mm-hmm. out with Marlon Mack. That's a guy that I was, uh, you know, kind of grudgingly for the last few weeks have been saying, yeah, if you're going to go in on somebody in the Annapolis backfield, that's the guy I'd go in on. That's the guy they were all uh, up on in the preseason. He's here. It kind of looks like what he's doing is not a fluke. Had another big game, huh? Absolutely. I know last week we kind of said, don't trust it quite yet. It's a committee-ridden backfield, and Mac, we can't just make judgments off this one game against the worst Buffalo run defense in the league. Let's pause, pump the brakes a little bit, but then he comes out and even tops that performance. 159 total yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I mean, the guy is just a monster, and again, even rewrote that committee script, now taking 62.8% of the snaps the season high, season high 25 carries, and season high total touches of 27 so i mean this seems to me like he's really bucked that committee trend 27 touches does not scream committee to me uh, it was another favorable script they got up big against the awful raiders but oh, luck's so playing bad. really well right now uh, i mean he's got a full weapons cabinet with doyle we'll done talk about in a second back this offense is really clicking and they're building pretty big leads early and then bleeding the clock out with mac and it's worked for two weeks in a row let's hope reich's smart enough to to keep ryan man and i do think he's a pretty bright 
uh, play caller here. So I like what they're doing. I think Mac is really excelling, just ripping off huge chunk plays uh, every time you get him a chance to. So I think this is no fluke. I think it's going to continue rolling. It'll be most interesting to see if they get down big early. How is Mac's usage affected? Does he become a complete bust in a zero, or is he still pretty involved, although his ceiling just gets lowered a little bit? That's what you got to establish moving forward, but you got to be very encouraged that he's done this two weeks in a row now. I'd consider him a very high RB2, if not even a low end RB1 with the right matchups moving forward. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm a little more hesitant on him, even though I thought he was the Colts running back to have for a while now. I mean, I'm scared of injury with him, maybe more so Mm -hmm. than I even should be, but that's kind of the red flag that just keeps going off in my head. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't have the same faith in Frank Reich that you do. But I, I definitely think that the Colts, uh, you know, they're doing, they're doing, I'd say they're exceeding expectations. And, and yeah. Max, Max probably primed to be a part of that if he stays healthy moving forward. All right, let's talk about Chris Carson. This is a guy that I'm, I'm a fan of and I drafted in a couple different leagues and, and choked on for a while. But, uh, you know, he had another 100-yard game. I think that's three out of his last four. He seems to be the dominant back. I mean, officially, Davis gets a couple carries, but, you know, less is less than half as many, I think, mm-hmm. as Carson. And, and Penny, good gosh. I mean, uh, Penny, talk about talk about a zero. I mean, and, and that's not news, but, man, what a, is he even worth a roster spot for anyone? Of course not. No. No, of course not. not even close. And I think zero is actually the perfect word to use there because he played exactly zero snaps Ooh. this week, uh, which you'd think – what makes that really important to me is the fact that this is a fresh out of the bye week. Mm. This is when teams often will kind of like hit the reset button and say, all right, we have a first-round running back. Let's start using this guy. Let's get him more involved. Let's not make this guy a complete waste of a pick. But it was the complete opposite. They said, no, let's double down on Carson. He's been rumbling. Why would we mess with that? And now that you've seen that, you got to expect moving forward. This is the attack. And you can feel much better about Carson. And you're already feeling good because, like you said, three of his last 400-yard games but there was that risk penny started to get involved the week before the bye and okay what if this guy turns it on that's not happening he played zero snaps mike davis is still ahead of him and carson is still well ahead of both of them uh 25 carries just a bell cow type of feeding yes the matchup was good against the lions we talked about that on our preview podcast but still 27 touches to just 11 for davis to zero snaps for penny this is the carson backfield it wasn't smoke it wasn't fluke this summer when everybody was raving that this was going to be the guy over in Seattle. A lot of us said, no way. They spent a first-round pick. They're just trying to motivate this guy. A lot of experts going that route. But Chris Carson clearly is the real deal, and he's clearly the guy to own here unless an injury happens. you got to feel really good about him as an every-week RB2 with RB1 upside against these joke teams like the Lions. Uh, He's the back. He is the back to own, and it's clearer than day now. Yeah, I didn't start him this week, and it's probably going to cost me the game. uh, Who did you play over him? Nick Chubb. Oh, I know. That, that was a tough call. That's a tough one. Tough. It was a tough call. And, I mean, I, I definitely thought about it. I mean, I also could have played him over John Brown, who had a lousy game. And, obviously, in retrospect, I wish I had. But Brown's a yeah. you know, top 20 receiver. So, anyway, off like a 30-point anyway, day. Yeah, I, I guess yeah. wrong. And I, and I paid for it. Anyway, yeah. uh, won't happen again. I'm starting him next week. Larry Fitzgerald mm-hmm. and the entire Cardinals offense. Fantasy rising under new offensive coordinator Byron Lethwich. And much uh, similar to this whole Hugh Jackson out thing, they only could go up. I mean, this right. is one of those things where is brought, is everyone's like, oh, is Leftwich going to uh, drastically improve uh, the Cardinals' offense? It's like, well, he could not possibly make it any worse. So right. uh, what did he do last week that, or, or yesterday, I guess, that, that you're so impressed with? 
Well, I just, I mean, for one, everybody set career high, or not career highs. Again, I keep saying it. Season, season highs. highs. <laughs> yeah, career <laughs> highs. Byron Left was making magic for Larry David Fitz, Johnson ran for 268 yards. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. No, not career highs, but season highs. And again, like you said, there's nowhere to really go but up when Mike McCoy was the one calling the shots. But we got a, a season high from Larry Fitz. We got a season high from Josh Rosen. We got a season high receiving yards from David Johnson. So a lot of promising signs here under the first week of Byron left, which in this, again, wasn't like off a bye where he had time to implement his scheme and really practice things. They had to kind of do this on the fly, but it was noticeable that it was a much different offense. They they huddled and moved at a much different pace, especially after three quarters. It was only three points through three quarters, and everyone's just like, oh, Byron left, which got way too much hype. What a joke. But then it seemed like he almost flipped into what he truly wanted to do, which was no huddle. They moved it with a you know emphasis, and Josh Rosen looked as comfortable as can be. They found a real nice cadence after the game. He said, I've never felt this comfortable on a pro field so it seems to me like everything is as tuning uh trending upwards under left which another arians disciple we talked about kitchens earlier left which was you know much more ingrained with bruce arians and highly praised by bruce arians time and time again we saw more creative receiving usage from david johnson we saw larry fitz who byron left which cited before the the week started that this was a guy that still had plenty left and we want to force feed him the ball and get it to him he goes and sees 12 targets eight catches 102 yards and a score you gotta feel really really good about that as well and Christian Kirk even finding the end zone for a game winning touchdown with 30 seconds left all of those things just are promising signs they now have a bye week to really start to uh, instill and install the, the rest of the, the left which uh, fingerprints in this offense so I think moving forward great buy lows all around uh, if somebody didn't realize that Byron Leftwich had this offense turning around it's a, it's a great time to go into David Johnson and Larry Fitz in my opinion all right, Doug Martin looks ready for weekly fantasy running back two slash flex status. Uh, I know. I don't know, man. <laughs> right. If you remember, like, sell last me year, on this. Sell me why I, this is a stock. I'm not going to be able to sell you too much because it's not something I'm just like die hard all in on either. Especially after last year, he looked great that first week. He got featured when he came back and Russell yeah, Hampton returned, right. and we all felt awesome. Let's see it in a couple weeks. Let's see if he's still maintaining. That solid almost five yards clip, that receiving usage. But still, uh, you got to be encouraged that he saw 15 to 10 touches as compared to Jalen Richard. Even with a negative game flow uh, working against him most of the game, he was still definitely the more uh, locked-in go-to guy. So if there's more respectable scripts, he could have even bigger days. You, you hate that he got stuffed twice on the goal line, but you also love that he got two chances at the goal line and was their first guy up when they're, they're in the red zone. So if, if he can improve that and get more efficient he used to be an end zone beast so hopefully he can regain that they have a powerful line it just didn't work today but the fact that he's getting used and he's the only guy getting those goal line carries has to be considered a positive uh you just feel better i mean there's good volume good production which you can't be mad about for a guy that you just snagged off the waiver wire with bye week hell six teams on buys over these next couple weeks doug martin should be working his way in the lineups a lot of the place so i think you can trust him uh especially in decent matchups like san francisco coming up this week yeah maybe in some matchups uh, i'm I'm not gonna go all out and endorse this guy uh <laughs> you know and, and that was a pretty lukewarm endorsement from you as well and, yeah exactly. <laughs> i'm not like the rb1 muscle hamster returns and resurface no 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 we i gotta... just think serviceable eight to 12 a week you're not getting 20 but i don't think you're gonna get like two uh, either i think no, he's I gonna be okay 12 is pushing it all right <laughs> that's uh, feeling. stock down Jameis Winston bench. Man, the Bucks are just such crap. I know. Uh, but you feel that this is a stock up for everybody else. I do. 
other than the tight ends, other than Cameron Braid, his boy, uh, this is an offense that leads the league by a humongous margin in passing yards under Todd Munkin taking over as offensive coordinator this year. They become like a college-style air raid offense that just bombs after bombs after bombs. They have 376 passing yards a game, which is nearly 60 more than the next closest Steelers, which is just insane. So obviously this carries huge fantasy football implications, especially when you look at Fitzpatrick, the man now coming in. His 25, get a load of this stat, Nat. His 25.1 fantasy points per game trail only Patrick Mahomes in fantasy quarterback play right now. I'm aware of that, and that's per game. Also, I mean, I checked him out, I want to say, last week. I feel like he's still like the 14th highest scoring quarterback, right. and he hasn't that, played in like three only weeks. Only playing four games. Right. I mean, I yeah, mean he's still like insane. middle of the pack, like borderline starter just on his total points. Exactly. It's insane the, the, how much production he had in those first three weeks, over 400 yards. He was in one by a mile. He was over Mahomes. Oh, yeah. He, for a little bit, he really was. 400 yards and at least three touchdowns in his first three full games played. Top 30 points in two of those weeks. Uh, and now he's out there in pretty much every league because everyone thought now it's the Winston show. We can get rid of Fitzpatrick. If you're quarterback needy, I, I would go out and get this guy. Yes, their offensive coordinator and, and head coach Dirk Cutter came out and said, we're just looking at this week. We're, we're only naming him the starting quarterback this week. But ultimately, they, you know, they don't have Winston under a guaranteed contract for next year he's got the most turnovers by a humongous margin over these first three seasons just abysmal play from him he hasn't really given you that sign he's the the quarterback of the future now we know Fitzpatrick isn't either but why not they're still somewhat in contention and clearly Fitzpatrick is giving you that best chance to win this year so they're going to ride him out and this is huge news too just to wrap this one up for Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson we talked at length before Winston got in there that over those 20 from 2015 to 2018 he ranked dead last and wide receiver passing rating uh, and was even worse with outside receivers 76.6 passer rating for outside receivers it was just abysmal and we saw Deshaun Jackson especially really take a hit but Mike Evans too was not nearly playing as well and then as soon as Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in what does Mike Evans do go off for 179 and a touchdown his 16 game pace with Fitzpatrick 116 receptions 1704 yards and 12 touchdowns is compared to 99 13 20 and zero touchdowns that's 358 fantasy points to 220 fantasy points. Insane. DJX similarly goes from 310 fantasy point pace, 68 catches, 1,696 yards, 12 touchdowns, to 48, 816, and zero touchdowns, 190 fantasy points with uh, Jameis Winston. So clearly those two are trending up huge. Even OJ Howard caught a nice deep touchdown down the seam. So I don't think he's impacted. I think all the fantasy products are going up outside of course, Jameis Winston, who gets sent to the bench, sent to the pile. You're cutting him at this point. I don't think he is coming back this year. Uh, You never know what's going to happen there, but I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, a nice quarterback to own moving forward, kind of a godsend off the waiver wire for those that need a quarterback. Packers wide receivers behind Devontae Adams taking a hit after Marquez Valdez Scandling or something to that effect emerges. Uh, Is is, is that accurate? Is that what you're saying? I I mean, it's more so just Adams again doing his his fucking thing like he does every week, 133 yards. This guy is the unquestioned centerpiece to this attack. But in the absence of Allison and in the absence of Randall Cobb, this Vantez scandling creature really emerged and played fantastic. And and now behind Adams, it was a complete quagmire for snaps and and usage. Cobb had the next closest in terms of catches with four for 40. uh, But scantling out snapped him and out targeting. 
game, even though he only hauled in one of them. It went for a score, and then Allison only had one catch for like 11 yards, and he was the guy that was getting double digits every week until he got hurt. So it just seems to me like which of these guys could you ever trust moving forward if all three of them are on the field and healthy? And the answer to me is none of them. Other than Adams, even Jimmy Graham gets completely washed this week. Oh, yeah. Once the it's just a, the targets, Exquinarian, something Brown, another name in there that's a talented dude that just he made a sick catch at some point. I just there's no one you can trust at this point behind Devontae Adams as long as they're all healthy. After Scantling emerged, it's just become such a shit pile. Uh, you can't have any of those guys in your lineups at this point. Agree completely, and I, I know that I'm trying to rush things along, but I gotta take an aside here. Okay. How pissed do you think Aaron Rodgers is at Ty Montgomery? Oh, it's, it's awful. Yeah, right. I mean it, that. I mean you you agree the Packers are probably going to win that game, right? I mean, yeah, you're exactly. giving the ball to Aaron Rodgers with two minutes to go. You say we need a field goal. I mean, you know that that's just something he generally gets done. Right. He just seems to always get it. Exactly. Sure. And I mean, he's not, you know, I would have said the same thing if it was Brady, you know, you know, right. but I mean, like, give yeah. him a freaking shot, right? Like, you don't well, have to make I mean, he's, I mean Aaron, you know, Aaron Rodgers needs to get, what, 35, 40 yards, something like right. that. Exactly. Maybe less. He's going to get yep. it. He's going to get yep. it. The guy kicks the ball into the end zone. Montgomery doesn't take a knee. I know. What, what are you thinking? What? what are you thinking? Right. I know you give Rodgers a hard time. Somebody he has every right to be. Furious. I give that. him a hard time, but he is damn clutch. I'll give it he's to him. Great. In the late game scenarios, like I think he's a pussy and I hate him, but yes, he's very clutch in those situations. Absolutely. Yeah, he's not a pussy. He's playing on one leg. <laughs> oh my All god! Right, Making go. sure everyone knows about it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a self promoter. I mean, he definitely <laughs> likes people to know the Aaron Rodgers brand, but he's definitely not a pussy in that sense. All right, David Njoku, uh, still on. Oh. The, he's still on the Browns. Have you heard? Oh, I haven't because I, th- I just discovered this one on Yahoo. When you click on people's names and like it tells you their stat line, you, you usually get zeros, right? And you see zeros, but yep. it will say at least like two targets, zero catch. Right, we right. want the goose eggs. He didn't get a fucking target right. after all these weeks of becoming, you know, 22 receptions the last four, the second highest scoring tight end over these last four weeks. Baker Mayfield's really revitalized him, and this guy's become that clear cut number two behind Landry. All this stuff. The guy doesn't even get a target. And when you have that on Yahoo, you click his name, it right. just says a dash. Literally just a dash. Right, as it's if what David Njoku right. garnered you. Not even a zero target. I got, uh, just give me some number. Just a dash is what this guy gave you. Just infuriating to see. It, it just goes to show Cleveland Browns, as soon as you want to trust one, they're going to tank you and make you forget it. I, we have a, a wine line coming, whether it's going to be a part of this podcast or just a little quick standalone gig. And David Njoku is gathering some serious hate. I've been mispronouncing his name, and I deserve to mispronounce it because this guy a motherfucking zero uh ruined a couple weeks for me i'm furious about it uh obviously but ultimately he's still because it's such a thin position it's not like you're cutting david Najoku after this horrible performance he still has a cakewalk schedule i'm sure he'll bounce back and have a couple big weeks but man this was just terrifying to see and the floor just completely bought him out as soon as you thought it was sturdy you got to be nervous about david Najoku moving forward Full PPR league, my hometown league. Listen to who Johnny Goodtimes rolled out as his tight end and two flex spots in a must-win game. <laughs> David Njoku at tight end. Um, Geronimo Allison at the first flex. <laughs> and uh, our boy Mo Stare from uh, the 49ers oh, in the second That's flex. like a combined, what, three points? Three, I think total? Three points, full PPR. Yes, that's fair. <laughs> oh, three my points, God. full PPR. Uh, one, point point one point per position. One point. It was pretty rough. 
Uh, <laughs> he still has an outside chance of winning his game, too, uh, because well, the guy he's playing is just absolutely terrible, which is how fantasy goes sometimes. Right. Uh, All right. Uh, but, but that's pretty impressive. At, at one point, you know, a good chunk into, like, the second games, I believe, uh, they all had zero. Like, Allison caught his, his one pass, like, kind of, like, early in the third quarter. I think, and Mostert, I think, got a couple carries in the second half. But, like, at halftime, they all had zero points. And he was like, I'm, I assure you, this has never happened in, like, the history of fantasy football. That is just insanity. We got to get him on the wine line soon. Yeah, definitely. He's got a lot to whiner. He's the biggest whiner I know. I'm not even kidding. Oh, he'd be perfect for this week. Yeah, he would be. Uh, we should just give him a segment and just like let him complain. <laughs> All right, uh, Jordy Nelson remains useless in fantasy despite ascension to number one wide receiver status. I just want to take a moment right now to laugh in the face of anybody who at any point this year or before the year believed that Jordy Nelson was a good fantasy pickup. So, um, you know, I, I know, never did. No, I remember, never did. Are you kidding remember me? Remember all those reports about him running like he was like 15 oh, yeah. years younger? And, Derek Carr is oh, like, oh, well, you know, Derek Carr also early. I remember here's the reports I remember from Derek Carr from the preseason. I remember him talking about, oh, man, Jordy Nelson. Like, I can't believe they let him go. What an amazing guy. And then I also remember him being like, I can see the dog coming out of Amari Cooper. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. Remember when he said the dog was coming out? It's like, the what dog? Like some There's inbred chihuahua? Else. Like, what are you talking about? No, no dogs coming out of this, Derek Carr. You got oh no credibility. God. Remember when Derek Carr was like a legit MVP candidate like two years ago? You loved him. You he were was great. He was my quarterback. I think I won the championship with Derek Carr. We, we got into some heated debates over that. What I'm tumbling that, that guy. I, I still huh? say that the guy was legitimate, probably deserved the MVP. Remember, he broke his leg and his team went from being like the mm-hmm. best or second best team in the league to like the worst team in the league in one week, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, you know, but I mean, there. now he's, who is this guy now? Like, I mean, he's just terrible. Anyway, Jordy Nelson, also terrible. Yeah, terrible, a liar. There's nothing to like about Carr. He's just leading us all astray with everything, whether it's his play or his mouth. Awful human being. But, yeah, Nelson, what a disappointing effort. Um, And I feel bad. I'm sure I have a couple of these ones on the wine line. I got, like, Marvin Jones or Jordy Nelson, and I said Jordy. Uh, That's horrible. Two touchdowns for Jones. you're taking it on the chin there. I saw some people getting angry at us, actually, this week. I'm going to – there's some angry ones I've heard. I haven't heard the wine line yet, but Joe Hopkins texted me like, oh, man, your hate mail is very big this week uh so i'm going to be taking it on the chin when that one happens and deservedly so uh one tar- uh, one catch on four targets for 14 yards just abysmal and i think the reason we included this guy was there's obviously some hope you know you got cooper out and it's somebody's ascending that number one passing role and gruden's always had a thousand yard receiver out of 11 out of 11 seasons and that's going to be jordy now and he had a few big games other than that first dud before the bye but they're going to scheme and get this guy nope none of it happened horrendous effort he's he's really just seemed like one and done type of guy uh you can't trust him at this point lafell and seth roberts had touchdowns but jordy nelson didn't if you own him you got to cut him at this point there's no point in owning jordy nelson anymore i'm just gonna stick my neck out and say that that 11 out of 11 wide receiver streak coming to an end this year uh, <laughs> right, I'm willing. I'm willing Huge to put, I'm willing to put my up. reputation on the line there, unless uh, Nelson has like a 650 yard game some uh, right. in the <laughs> second half of the season. All right, Penny Stocks, DJ Moore, my buddy Willie's been waiting all year for this. Mm-hmm. You think he's worth taking a flyer on? I think absolutely. Uh, one, the the increased involvement. We've talked about him a few weeks yeah. in a row now. Yeah. 
Uh, and nobody has, but now people are starting to wake up because uh, of a monster game. Torrey Smith was out of the lineup, which makes sense for the increased usage, but he gave them every right and reason to move forward doing the same. Six targets, caught five of them for 90 yards. A lot of it was those run-after-the-catch scenarios, which is what they hyped up so much this preseason that this guy is deadly with the ball in his hand, plays like a running back in that sense. Uh, once he has it, runs angrily. And he added 39 rushing yards, to speak about running back, um, two rushing attempts. So this guy is explosive, makes plays every time he's had the opportunity. He just hasn't really seen that opportunity because it's a crowded field. But with Torrey Smith removed, he finally saw it, and he really exploded. Uh, but the one thing you really got to like after uh, moving forward is his schedule. It's a complete joke, and we talked about this earlier, but he has by far the easiest schedule moving forward among receivers, uh, according to all those gradings and whatnot systems. Uh, I'll just run down the matchups real quick for what he has. Tampa Bay this coming week. Pittsburgh the week after. Detroit, the one tough matchup. They've been getting bombed, though, so maybe that's not that tough. Seattle, and then 13, 14, 15, and 16, the, the money-making playoff time. Tampa Bay again, second worst. Cleveland, ninth worst. New Orleans, first worst. Atlanta, third worst. I mean, this guy has the biggest cakewalk of a schedule, and he's out there in pretty much every league, only 15% owned right now. Probably my favorite guy to target on the waiver wire this week. I'd be paying up pretty big, and I, for as much as I talked about him, I don't own him nearly as much as I should already, so I'm going to try to get him everywhere moving forward. That schedule, just too juicy. And Cam Newton uh, riding either six or seven weeks now, two-plus touchdowns, uh, longest uh, consecutive, longest streak of his career. So I mean, he's, so he's, he's airing so- the ball out. I mean, he's kind of been sneaky good, huh? He's been, I mean, I don't remember the last time he went under 20 something fantasy points. Every single week, he's putting it up. Uh, the guy's just a beast. He just had to get out of Mike Shula's system. But and now he's got Tampa Bay coming up this week. I mean, who could you have above him in your quarterback rankings? Yeah. You, only out of his last six games, he's only had one game under 27 points, it looks like. I mean, the guy's been you, a beast. Remember, I would possibly going to see a, a stack in daily fantasy from you uh, when the Tampa Bay and Carolina game? You looking I at think a shootout we're here? See it from a lot of people. I've actually stopped doing doing daily i'm very superstitious every time i do daily i end up losing my regular season uh so as much as i want to win us a million bucks i need to win this fantasy league real bad so yeah you do yeah, yeah you do. It's too much worked. pride what how much money would you put on winning like your most prestigious league and i don't mean what's the prize money i mean like what would you pay what would you pay to win to win your league well, one would never want to pay. I want no, no, to earn no. my way. No, no, no. Well, I mean, like, you, know what what I'm you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, what's the, it my worth evaluation, to you? Like, how do I value a fantasy win over all those guys and just being superior over them? I mean, thousands, the, the right? Fez. Oh, thousands. I mean, uh, tens of thousands. Yeah, like $50,000 probably. <laughs> I mean, this year, I, whoever, there's a good chance somebody goes for the, the third time and nobody's won it three times yet. So and that's going that to be like a rock in your shoe. Right, exactly. It'd be horrible to lose it, and it'd be the best to be the first to do it. And I've had like three stabs at being the third person. I make the finals a decent amount, and I've just—I always fan. I'm mm. fucking like '90s Bills or whatever that team was. Only two titles with like eight appearances. Just a joke. But I—I I don't love 90s, my teams. '90s Bills would have killed, by the way, to have two titles and eight appearances. Just right, exactly. Clear. That would have been like the best <laughs> damn thing that ever happened to those guys. Yeah, seriously. All right, let's go with more penny stocks. Tight end. If you're a tight end guy, if you need tight ends and i know a lot of people do because there's a lot of shitty tight ends out there that are in starting lineups david njoku for instance uh jack doyle ed dixon both out there the beanstalk. absolutely beanstalk coming back with a fucking presence throwing that humongous hammer onto the field 
onto the Raiders for six catches, 70 yards, and a TD in his first action back. It's like he's never been out. Uh, he outproduced Eric Ebron, which Ebron got in the end zone too, so it's not like you just jump off the ship of Ebron. But obviously his ceiling is much more capped when you got Doyle returning for this type of monster performance. I think he slides right back into that tight end one conversation given how thin that position is and how well Andrew Luck is now suddenly clicking, how Reich's offense is really starting to take off. you got to feel good about Doyle uh, in this scheme that's clearly been tight end heavy all year, especially in the red zone. And then Ed Dixon, you're, you're getting Russell Wilson, who you know Jimmy Graham led the league in touched, uh, red zone targets among receivers, among tight ends, among everybody. Last year, we've seen Will Disley, some random creature, hauling in touchdowns for the first three weeks. He gets hurt. Nick Vanette gets a bit of red zone love in the absence. But then you get Ed Dixon, who's 6'7", just freakish athlete, had a 175-yard game last year against Detroit. So this guy has some uh, freakish ability, and I think he's going to be utilized as best as possible in this Seattle offense that has just always loved peppering tight ends in the red zone. With that size and with the way Russell's putting the ball wherever he wants it right now, you got to think Dixon, this touchdown, this 52-yard touchdown performance was nothing. Uh, n- there's no fluke there. This is a game that I believe in, uh, and they, they call him you know, a merely a last gasp tight end two on Roto World. I don't buy that. I think this guy is going to be the real deal, and if you can get him for very cheap right now, it'll be well worth it because he's going to score again, and you're going to wish you had him. David Moore continues scoring for Seattle. Uh, you think he's a real target on the waiver wire? I mean, you know, we've got two mores here at wide receiver, and this is the one that scored the more points out of the few. He's he, Speaking of red zone weapons for Russell Wilson, this guy has scored now uh, four touchdowns in his last three games. It's never uh, – this was the first week, though. This is what I, I was really encouraged by. His other performances were always two, three-catch days, 30, 40 yards in a TD, but very – it felt flukish. But then this week he goes four for 97, used all over the field, and it seems to be emerging as <laughs> – Dare I say to Doug Baldwin, dare I say to, to Lockett, the number one guy, especially in the red zone at wide receiver. Uh, the red zone usage is, is indisputable at this point. Every single week, these guys seem to be hooking up for a score. He's just got great body control. He goes up and gets it over defenders. He's dangerous in that. But if he's starting to get used more frequently in other areas, he could be a real sneaky wide receiver pickup. Everyone's going to be focused on DJ Moore, as they should, for all the reasons we already listed. But if you don't get on, on him, I think David Moore is a nice consolation prize at only 4% on so he's out there in every league he's out there in your league give him a look i had him on the watch list and now it's time to make that plunge after four touchdowns in three weeks you gotta like what he's doing one big injury to talk about tyreek hill and groin you hate hearing those two words in the same sentence what Uh, do you think man it's heart-wrenching, and you never know. Maybe he plays, uh, and it's nothing serious, but groin strains often linger, and it takes multiple weeks to get over them. And they got to buy in week 12. You never know. This is pure speculation. There's nothing that says they're going to hold him out through his buy, but these are just soft-tissue injuries that never seem to just go away uh, right away, unless it's very, very minor. We'll find out more on Wednesday when the injury report comes out. Uh, but if, if that happens, obviously, as well as he's playing – Mahomes would take a little bit of a hit with his most explosive weapon. I think he's good enough to keep making it happen. We saw oh, yeah. Sammy Watkins completely step up uh, once Hill was removed. Uh, had a humongous 100-yard, two-TD day. So, I mean, Watkins is going to be a beast if Hill's going to miss any time. I think even Chris Conley becomes worth a stab because this offense is such a juggernaut. You know Kelsey's looks will go up. You know, Kareem Hunt will continue uh, rising in targets. But Conley might even become a red zone target that you could throw a, throw a little 
buck at and, and see what happens there as a flex. We still don't know what happens, so let's wait and see until the injury report happens. But yes, this would be a humongous blow if he if he'll set to miss time. One of the league's most explosive, actually not one of the league's most explosive attack would lose its most explosive piece outside of Mahomes. Not good for anybody if that happens. Yeah, he's a big part of my Roto Street Journal team. I've been rolling in the RSJ League, so that would actually yeah. be devastating to me. Um, mm. All right, I want to make a couple comments before we get out of here. First mm. thing, and I want to remind the listeners, and I want to remind you and the rest of the Roto Street Journal staff, the Nutcracker set from last year. Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, Frank Gore at running back, Des Bryant at wide receiver, Jack Doyle at tight end. You could send in special uh, UPC symbols to get the golden Tom Brady uh, nutcracker yeah. as well. We are welcoming submissions for a new nutcracker set this year. Absolutely. Um, you can certainly put a guy at the same position again, although, you know, as big as his hog is, I don't think we could put Des Bryant in the nutcracker. I think set we this need year. to explain, yeah, because we've gotten quite a few new <laughs> listeners that might not have heard our first. So, real quick, what is a nutcracker set, Matt? What, what are we doing here with nutcrackers? Well, you know the nutcrackers that they have at, at Christmas, right? You yes, know, like, of course. <laughs> all right. Well, imagine instead of uh, putting the nut in their mouth, imagine you, you put it, <laughs> you know, kind of in the crotch area. And depending on the size of the hog you're using or the length or whatever, just the sturdiness in general, that's what you use to crack the nut. Frank mm. Gore, obviously, extremely, you know, he's still a candidate. I mean, let's yeah. not, let, he hasn't, he's not just going to give up his nut crack, nutcracker <laughs> spot just for nothing. Right. And Bridgewater's not even playing, but we've all seen the pictures. So, I mean, come on, you know, Pat, uh, but Pat, these days you got to think Pat Mahomes, Pat Mahomes is at least talking about getting this, getting in uh, the nutcracker. He can crack. Shape. Yeah. You could use that right. as a sledgehammer, right. not even a nutcracker. So we need a guy at each, at each position. Uh, if you want to do a mail-in guy, Brady seemed like the perfect guy last year. We'll see, but that nothing's in stone. Yeah. The pretty, uh, so that, the pretty golden nutcracker. Right, the pretty, you can get the, the solid gold Brady nutcracker. Um, yeah. Brought to you by the good people at Fibber McGee's. Anyway, <laughs> um, all right. Second thing I want to say, and these are just a couple of football questions. Um, did you see that catch DeAndre Hopkins had that was waved off that they called off oh, pass interference? Is that caught in his nutsack? It's caught in with your dick. I mean, that, a, that was a yeah, seriously like a lasso type. I mean, that was first of all, it was a terrible call. I mean, it was right. not offensive pass interference. Um, but what a what a catch! I just want to say what a catch. and Move on from there. Second thing I want to say about another receiver who's excellent. Is it possible Julio Jones could have no touchdowns this season? Right. He's going to go for like 1,700 yards and zero touchdowns. I mean, is it possible? He's like the wide receiver five or something in fantasy. He averages only 0.4 red zone targets a, a game, and that's up, you know, down from 0.7 and 1.1 and 0.8. So he hasn't seen a ton of volume, but when you cut like a little amount of volume in half, it's still a big deal. So I don't know what's going on, but yeah, I could see him. I, I think he gets to two. Let's set the over under at two touchdowns because he can do that in one game. He could have three. He could. Do you he think hasn't. he tops two touchdowns this year? Over under under over under two and a half. You're saying? Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, I do, but that's probably crazy. I mean, why would I think that? I <laughs> why would I think he would catch a touchdown? He doesn't do it, so why? Um, <laughs> Great question. La- last question for you, or last statement I want to make. I'm down 14 in my hometown league. I uh, got Gronk going tonight. What do you think? I have a chance. He's dominated the Bills in the past. He seems to always put up two touchdowns against them. So I think you have a chance. Uh, that being said, I don't know I can if he's had his... 14 except until since week one. Yeah, this year he hasn't really been a big 14 point guy. If any team's going to let it happen, it'd be Buffalo in front of his hometown crowd. But I would not be feeling great about it. I don't. I, I don't feel great about it at all. Um, the Ravens defense took me for negative five, and I didn't start yeah. Chris Carson, so I deserved to lose. Oh. <laughs> 
A fresh wine line did just come in. Do you have time to listen to it, or should we uh, save it for another? It's two two minutes forty seconds. No, we're already at forty three minutes, and it's already uh, like eight thirty. We got to well, go. Well, I'm going to send it to you because in case if you're able to drop it in there, I, I haven't listened to it yet, but we won't get our reactions to it. But if it's easy enough to just drop the file in, uh, Joe just sent it across our thing. I guess I got a decent amount of hate this week. I had a few yep. rough predictions, which deservedly so. Um, maybe someday we'll start a thank you wolf segment where I can get praised to, to balance this out probably not but i feel it's probably a lot easier to garner the hatred and oh, get those yeah. fantasy football. than the thank yous but either way you might have a wine line for your listening pleasure here it might be a standalone episode either way be yeah. on the listen for now or later that the wine line is back and if you want to submit something if i made a bad call if a player pissed you off beyond belief you have david njoku get you a zero go to rotostreetjournal.com slash wine line that's rotostreetjournal.com slash wine line uh Send it in. We'll feature it on the podcast, edit it to some nice sad music. It's a great segment, uh, and, and hopefully you get to enjoy it here. All right. My name is Nat The Truth Jones. And I'm The Wolf. You can follow me at Roto Street Wolf and on Twitter and Snapchat, rotostreetjournal.com. And, of course, the fancy fullback dive. Hit that subscribe button if you don't already. We'll pave that path to your 2018 title. Look forward to hearing you guys uh, join us for that Week 9 preview. Way more than halfway done. Time to get that title, guys. See you later. Later, folks. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.